What up, Southwest Virginia? Welcome back to Beats, Brews, and Buddies. My name is Travis Schmidt, and this is... Jeremy Price. Today on our beat, we are going to talk drums in our first roundtable with our good buddies, JT Faber, Bruce Wall, and Mason Janelle. Give it up for these fellas. Yes. This is their first podcast. <laughs> Everybody's are, first, right? Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun today. So, uh, But before we start in conversation, fellas, i like for uh, Jeremy to tell uh, our guests what we're drinking today. And we're, we're again, sponsored. Again, uh, Travis from Two Roosters gave us a... Uh, let me see which one he gave us. The Winkle Picker. Uh, <laughs> cheers, guys. And Travis, thank yes. you so much. Yes, cheers, The kettle Travis. corn is cool, too. We were going to do the kettle corn. Yeah. But it's too early for kettle corn, and his kettle corn is addictive. It is early in the morning. Cheers. Let's get some clinks. I want to clink the two drummers that I've never really talked about. Not you. I know you. (laughs) I know you. Clinky, clinky, clinky. Guys, thanks so much for coming. Uh, We had a couple people not make it. Um, We had Matt Leonard and... um, who was it? Rick, Sam Nash. Sam Nash and Rick Godley. Rick Godley. So we already got to have a makeup podcast. Uh, we really wanted everybody here at the same time. But thank you so much for coming, sharing your time. Yeah. And sharing your stories. No, you guys are, are fantastic for, for being here today. So, um, all right, let's get off started. So we're not doing a bio, ladies and gentlemen, but we're going to have these guys introduce themselves. I'm going to start with my left. Uh, JT Faber, state your name and who you groove with. <laughs> Uh, J.T. Faber. Right now I'm playing with uh, First Baptist Orchestra. I play at um, Mill Mountain Theater for their shows. I play in a Dixieland ragtime band we've been together called the Boogie Kings out of Stanton. This is our 36th year. 36 years. And and all of the uh, concert bands around, I'll I'll play a season with Rona Concert Band, Winds of Blue Ridge, those types of things. Fantastic. Fantastic. JT and I play at uh, Mill Mountain. He's been so kind to let me split that part with him here lately. So thank you, JT. So, Mr. Bruce Wall, state your name and who you grew for. I'm Bruce Wall, and uh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm basically, uh, right now, I'm kind of retired, semi-retired. I I played a long time, so now I just kind of fill in. I'll play with Hoppy Vaughn. Uh, when his, when Rob can't make it. And so I sit in and do stuff like that. So just relax. Who did you play for? <clears throat> Here we go. Yeah. Let it out. Yeah. Let it out. Got you, Bruce. Uh, <laughs> what year you want to start? Well, I mean, let's talk Let's talk about the people you played for here. Just state a few that you played for here in Roanoke. Uh, well, here in Roanoke, I basically, uh, gosh, uh, the, the Kings, and I actually played with the Royal Kings at the Kings Inn in the 70s. And uh, I played with, um, uh, did some work with uh, $5 Shake for a year or so. That was fun. And uh, then I pretty much uh, went out of town. I played with Sandcastle. I've worked some with, uh, gosh, Robin Thompson, worked with the Rondales. Uh, um, geez, um, it's hard to remember. High, no, <laughs> High and Mighty. I was in High and Mighty, which was one of the bigger uh, things. So that one, we were out with Mother's Finest for a year or so. Oh, nice. And um, but I was literally, I was thinking about it, you know, last night, and uh, I, I'd have to write a list. I've probably been in, I don't know. 50 bands. That's fantastic. It's fantastic. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> that's fantastic. It's not a small number. I mean, yeah. if you look at that in years, like everybody takes a year or so with the band. Yeah. 
no, if I, not more, but so. I, uh, I like I say I started playing in 1964 when I was 13. <laughs> That's and, uh, beautiful. And I, I was the guy that went to school. I, you know, I was a, a C student or you know whatever, and C and D, and skipped a lot. Yeah. And uh, but I was the guy that played. You know, all the uh, sock hops. Mm. I remember playing. Uh, when Fanny Boone used to do for the city a recreational uh, at Breckenridge, they had a tennis court and Coca-Cola, and we'd go up, and I was playing there with bands. Nice. Uh, like I said, 13, 14. So it was, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I played a lot. Well, thanks for Excellent. being here. Man. Excellent. We're, we're excited to hear about them stories. We're, we're kindred spirits. I get, you know, I was a C student playing oh, yeah. late at night. C's get degrees. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Speak up there, Mason. What you got, man? I'm Mason Janelle. I'm playing multiple bands around town. Most recently, uh, War Child. That's my main groove. And then it's kind of rock, blues rock. Yeah. With a little hint of metal in it. That's so just, a, just a splash of metal. Splash of metal. <laughs> splash of metal. I also play huh? with uh, Carissa. Carissa Joy? Yeah, high frequency. In the high frequency, yeah. We just had her on as a guest. Uh, yeah. yeah, her episode released uh, this I week while we're it. we're recording it. So yeah, we're we're she was uh, literally a bundle of joy. Yeah, so she, she's a trip. She's a trip. I hope she listens to this. <laughs> I play as well with a um, little group with Ben Height and Foster Mountain Walrus is what we're called. <laughs> I like that name. We, we, we show up, no rehearsal, no set list, mm. just. Just do it. Just go. It's fun. Just yeah, push play and go. Hey, that's fantastic. We'll talk a little bit more about that and, and the, the structure of that. So uh, the big question in the room today, fellas, uh, why why drums? Since this is their drum round table, why did you choose drums? Um, I'm probably three years old, and we have a little console stereo. And folks listening might not know what that is, but it's about three and a half feet <laughs> tall, and I'm barely as tall as that. And I figured out that if I got the orange records, the orange-yellow color, I don't know if you guys know, but that's Sun Records. Mm. Those are the ones I liked. <laughs> and I'd pull out that color and reach over and then scrape the needle across and, and wait until I finally found another Elvis 45 mm. and then play Elvis and play it over and over and just listen to the drums in Elvis songs over and over and over and over. And so from age three, that was it. No questions. I love that. That's, a, that's, so, that's, that's fantastic. Tell us, tell us what it tells. He knew. He knew with those records. How old were you? Three? Yep. Oh, my God. Do you still have those records? I have the versions. Of the I still look. Don't, please don't drag that string around. <laughs> the first one I remember. <laughs> you know, I, I remember all those old Elvis. Yeah. Uh, 45s. No, we threw them around like Frisbees <laughs> when we were six. So yeah. They're gone forever. Mm. That's crazy. Do you, any do any of us know who his drummers were? I'm not the biggest Elvis fan. I appreciate what he did for them. Like Ron Tut played. Ron, yeah, yeah. It's the only one I know. Is it uh, some other? Okay. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to see that new movie that just came out. Um, the the biography movie of him. Um, I haven't either. I heard it was really really good, and I wonder. Um, what story they told not only with him but with his band so i don't know i don't know go see it i guess <laughs> bruce <laughs> why drums um i don't know it's just it felt right um when i you know when i started playing the stuff i was listening to was 
uh, Booker T and the MGs, Junior Walker, Carla Thomas, uh, all you know, R&B soul stuff, and I just knew that that was that was going to be me. So I started playing. That's that's where I went, you know. And I still to this day, that's my that's my cut. That's what I do. Mm. Mm. Stay got, true. Stay true. Right. There's a theme going. I want to see if it happens with Mason. What's that? Why drums? No, you got to answer first. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my uncle had a drum set, and I, when I first saw it, he he couldn't play it worth a damn. So, <laughs> like, wow. I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna take over those reins for him. And uh, I just, you know, 13, begged my dad for a drum set. He worked nights. He said, absolutely not. And I said, please, just give me a drum set. I, I know I already know how to play them. And then when I get them the first night, you know, first Christmas morning, 13 years old, I'm already, you know, already playing. He's like, what in the hell? How do you know how to do this? I was like, I don't know. I just, I just knew. I've been listening to it. I've been thinking about what it looks like through my headphones. Uh, um, so... <laughs> What did you think I was going to say? No, no. And so not, not you specifically, but uh, the underlying theme was that everybody just knew. I don't know if you guys picked that yeah. up. Everybody just knew. Yeah. Like, I loved the stories, but there really wasn't a, there wasn't a through line to any of the stories, really. There's how it happened. Oh, yeah. Everybody just kind of knew. And uh, we could jump into the, maybe we should say, no, let's jump into it. They, they, used, to, they used to market, um, I have a bunch of old modern drummers and really, really old modern drummers, and they, were, they would put ads out looking for mus- musicians or drummers, yeah. musicians right. slash drummers, <laughs> and uh, and I resented that because I'm like, this is difficult stuff. But the older I get, um, first off, it doesn't have to be that way. You can play other other things, right? Yeah. But there's a certain spirit that it takes to be the nucleus of a band, and um, I I find that most people that actually do it and are successful at it just knew. I mean, that's not yeah. to say you can't learn, yeah. but there's a I, this happens a lot of people. Like, I just knew. It's, it's, it's undeniable. Like the, the nature of drums itself is to bring people together. You can't ignore them, right? So if you know you have that potential, you just dive in. But everybody had a very similar, nope, I just knew. So. Yeah. What was your story? Uh, this is a round table. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, I, I was a, a dancer. So I grew up in, well, between Manita and Southwest when Southwest was not pretty to be around when yeah. I was seven years old. And uh, breakdancing was out, and I, I just could dance. Um, not all that well, but better than most people. Um, and I say that because then I ended up in a career where I met people, people who were really fantastic dancers. But I never questioned the idea that I wanted to move. And as I got a little older and met better dancers, I started going, well, why do I want to move? And it was a drum thing. So I saw this movie called Girls Just Want to Have Fun. It's a teeny bopper movie from the 80s. And there was a rear, there's a, the camera angle showed the drummer from the back. And much like Mason, I just saw, it was just, he was just boots and cats, right? Yeah. Boots and cats. Sometimes he had two boots, boots and cats, and boots, boots, cats. And I was like, oh, I got that. <laughs> I just knew, boots and cats. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, Dad, which probably wasn't far from where you're living, can I get a drum set? And he's like, my dad used to love drums. He used to have them sitting in his apartment or his duplex, and, and he couldn't play them very well either. He, he acted like he could play Wipeout. <laughs> wasn't too bad. Wasn't too bad. It was, it was uh, recognizable. So, um, so he was like, well... If you work all summer, you can save them enough money and you can buy it. And I was like, wait a minute. That's, that's. So I did. I, I put up garage doors with him for a couple of summers, and he bought me a $25 drum kit that was just gross, and I was not appreciative of it, and he got mad at me. And then 
um, always encouraged me to have a backup plan. So I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to work really hard at this. Um, that's, that's my story. I just knew that uh, it made me move. And when I, I played or when we all play, we make people move. We bring people together. Oh, yeah. That's the nature of that particular instrument. No one can ignore you, right? Certain responsibility with it. So. Your turn. Uh, it was uh, turn the beat around in my mother's van playing. And mom's like, clap. And, you know, my foot's just tapping to it. She goes, you, you. mom took piano lessons. She's like, you got good rhythm. And I was like, turn the beat around, mom. Uh, and, uh, and so, and so. Turn the van around. Yeah, turn the van around. Take me home. Yeah. And so not shortly after that, and <laughs> in middle school, my, my, my best friends started a group. And they're like, we need a drummer. Here, here's a pad. Uh, here's a keyboard. Play, play play on the keyboard and so i just started playing boots and cats and boots and cats on the keyboard with it <laughs> yeah. boots and cats. oh <laughs> it's relatively new and yeah, I, I gotta say i love it yeah <laughs> and there uh and there it was and i i went took lessons and um yeah i'm i'm self-taught on drum drum set until the the age of 37 uh 36 when i started retaking drum lessons with uh jeremy price here uh, so uh and so it you know it's been a journey so and i know everybody has a journey and that's uh that's really cool to to hear the uh genesis for everybody so and it's all the like you said it's all the same kind of uh premise there so we just knew yeah, yeah everybody knew. said yeah i just i just when know you're, when you everybody's talking about you know my dad he had drums yeah well in the 60s i told my dad you know and he worked at the railroad i want to be a drummer he laughed for like 10 years. Man, mine too. The railroad. Yeah. Yeah. Dad, and it's like he laughed. And the first drum set I ever got, like you, I literally had to borrow drums. In the first bands I was a drummer, I always had to borrow drum sets to play gigs. Mm. And finally, my mom took me down to United Diamond, was in downtown Runner Pawn Shop, and bought me a three piece Kent. But my dad, like, Oh, my son's a drummer. <laughs> Just giggling. Yeah. yeah. This blue set right here, uh, I think it's a, it's a Venus. Yeah, this this was a Renta set from, um, shoot, what was that store back in the day? Uh, my, it was the drum store. It was the only drum store. In Noteworthy. Town. Noteworthy music, yes. Noteworthy music. It was a Renta, Renta drum set that if you... You could you could purchase it if you enjoyed it enough. Did you so. not return that? No, nah, I bought it. <laughs> I did not. I did not, and that's that's been my baby ever since. And so, and then finally, if about when House of Schmidt was starting to get a little bit bigger, I decided, okay, I need I need to probably have another drum set. I'd like to have a practice set and then a live set, even though I didn't play drums for that group. But I digress. <laughs> so, um, wow. all right, moving on. <laughs> Favorite drummer. Only one, only one. This is hard. Favorite drummer, only one, and why? Steve Gadd, because I yes. heard Asia. Oh, man. Steely Dan, Asia, and I thought, I've never heard anything like that in my life. And then started started researching a little bit, and uh, you mentioned you were a dancer. He was the dancer. He was mm. a tap dancer yep. as, as a young kid, and, uh, and, and that's where he feels like he gets his feet, the touch uh, that he has, and, uh, you know, I... I, I, I like to think of myself, you know, I'm, uh, I can I kind of not embarrass myself on any kind of music, uh, but I can sit and play just about anything, but I'm not going to be the best drummer in the, in the room on any particular thing. And I look at Steve Gadd, and it doesn't matter. You know, that's the one guy mm. that can play everything. Yeah. Like, literally, and he can sit in a big swing band and drive it, and it's, you know, it, it sounds right. It sounds like he's a swing drummer 
or he's the funkiest drummer you've ever heard in your life. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just look at the back, at CDs or anything, and if I see he's playing, it's like, oh, I gotta check this out. Good answer. Mm. Good answer. Way to stick with one. <laughs> I hate the fact that I had to grow into Gad, um, but I see the value. I'm gonna talk about it more in a minute. <laughs> yeah, he's because you just can't you just can't say anything negative about Steve Gad. No. Who's your favorite, Bruce? Thank you. Um, actually, uh, Dave Garibaldi. <clears throat> Because that's kind of uh, when I got playing in bigger bands, you know, out of the garages and rec halls. Uh, the, he plays with uh, him and Rocco, have a amazing compassion for each other with music. Yeah. And uh, he can play anything. Mm. And he's like, he's just smooth as can be. And that's, that's kind of... Uh, to this day, that's that's kind of where I, I still go. I mean, it's, um, uh, gee, I told you, I think in 07, I was able to do a CD with Mick Gillette. Yeah, you said that over the phone. And then basically on that CD, I played with, um, well, Garibaldi was on the CD, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Dennis Chambers, mm-hmm. uh, and it was, I got to be on a CD, it was really cool. And But I was lucky, I finally got to meet and work with somebody I idolized in my in my young 20s mm-hmm. so yeah that was why he um he did a clinic for noteworthy were you there uh yeah i was there as a young man it's a uh, yeah noteworthy uh uh I, I i did a lot of business with them i thought it was a good drum shop it was yeah it was a fantastic shop yeah i'm You're still so talking with mark and mark's on facebook yeah <clears throat> but yeah so we got Steve Gadd, Dave Garibaldi. What you got, Mason? Your favorite? Boy, I don't know. <laughs> it's a tough one. I was thinking about this, and I think I want to go with the the one that I I, I sound the least like. The one that you sound the least like? Because yeah. I know who you sound like. Yeah. Well, that one's that's a given. Yeah. And then, but who I really enjoy the most is uh, Stuart Copeland. Yeah. Nice. He's fantastic. He's a. Uh, he knows where to put the beat. It's it's in a different place than where I normally go for, which is that's that was his whole premise. I watched. There's a whole documentary on him uh, somewhere. It's on Hulu or Apple TV or whatever, and and he just talks. You want to be a different drummer? Put the beat elsewhere. Yeah. Put it put it over next next to the two. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Well, I normally play like try to play like Bonzo, but it's uh, it's not something that I can really do right perfect. I guess I can't really do anything like that perfect. Well, I don't even know that Bonzo played perfect. He played perfect Bonzo. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like personality is a huge. We're all here as drummers because we just knew. <laughs> and you don't want the, your drummer in your group having doubts. Even even if you disagree, if he's rushed or he slowed down, he rushed to fill. He doesn't. You don't like the how he's doing it. You don't want that guy doubting what's going on while he's on stage. So, and well, Bonzo, no one has been able to play like him. Yeah. Uh, if we really get into the nuance, he's, he's in the top three, but. I mean, the other one is, is Neil Peart. You know, okay. But you did see him live. You see, you yeah. see how he plugged in a second one? Yeah. He, he got one second in there. Three? Oh, he did. <laughs> he did. He snuck in three. Take <laughs> notes. Take notes if you're coming on the podcast. We we intentionally say just one, and there's other questions. We're like, no, just three. Because you can sit here and rattle off names, but it's cool to watch people think, like, oh, no, which one really? Um, and also, the fact that one of your favorites is – someone that you sound the least like you can get just as much influence yeah, and perspective yeah, it gives from you a different thought about it where to play the drums how to put this into the music that i'm playing today mm-hmm. 
Oh, it's round table. He said what? They looked at me. What are you looking at me for? Because I'm not used to answering questions. I know. Asking them. Uh, my single favorite drummer who has, he was there at the beginning. When I found him, I knew he was my favorite. And he still floats uh, at the top. Of, and obviously, there are other folks that come in and enjoy. Um, but he's still there. His name is Will Calhoun from Living Color. Oh, yeah. Wow. I just never. So I just spoke about doubting. You don't want the drummer doubting. I haven't. The moment I hear that guy play, I know he, I've heard him play ridiculous stuff that was way out of place. He shouldn't have been done. And I just laugh. And I hear him on records be as solid as he can be. I hear him pulling his his roots, his his African uh, he's African American, I believe, but pulling in those those influences and um, uh, he's African American for sure. I just don't know how connected to Africa he is. I know after Living Color success, he went on a, a journey to find out to to just dive more into that music. And uh, I just personality the moment he plays also like all the fads that show up whether we're in the not fads we're, we're in the drum and bass era like 10 15 years ago and that's still happening all, all these styles of music that really old jazz like will was doing all of that before any of it was popular he was just killing the game and not apologizing so will Calhoun, thank you for the inspiration i got a photo with him too there you go <laughs> that's awesome uh i'm gonna go with um on the same line where Mason was going, the, the drummer I'm least like. I, I have one where I know who, who I play like, and I, I feel, at least I feel like that. Uh, but I'm going to go with the one that I, I'm least uh, like, and it's Carter Beaufort from Dave Matthews Band. Um, I grew up listening to his stuff, and he's, to me, he's just ungodly. It's all 16th notes moved everywhere, and it's it's pretty phenomenal, in my opinion. Uh, they're, they're, they're sparkly clean, too. They are sparkly clean. Yeah, he's just, he's... Yeah, he's just nuts. He's nuts. Um, I feel like my whole family would judge me if I didn't say Carter Beaufort either, which I don't care, but it's fine. Uh, I'm going to say it because uh, I, I like your answer. It, 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 who I'm not like. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way, but I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I, you trying to get me to say my second? Look at it. I didn't do it. I think y'all, I think Northside boys, y'all better behave. Chad, Chad Smith from Red Hot Chili Peppers. So. So to to me, he's a very solid drummer, and his it's it's he's he's in the pocket, and I like to be in the pocket, and I, I enjoy that, and I like that, I like that. Mason yeah. Mason reminds me. So I've played with Mason in bands where I didn't play drums, and he he reminds me of Chad Smith and John Bonham, kind of fused. That's I was gonna say for him was Chad Smith, just by your style and the way yeah. you. Um, he's, he's, he's number four. Arms get get arms out of up. here. <laughs> arms up. <laughs> JT, who are your 13 favorite drummers? <laughs> Travis. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, JT, I thought you were going to say Buddy Rich. It was, it was there. Yeah. The back, so, I mean, I, I, that's the beauty of a round table. You can, I, I was going to take a guess. So this is my first time meeting Bruce. So, and I, I don't really, Bruce gave me my first opportunity uh, to play drum set in front of a live show uh, in a live crowd. Sorry, not a live show, live crowd. This is a live show. Um, and um, I was I, I was in my, I want to say I was 13, 14, and my dad just got inducted as the uh, Home Builders Association president um, when he was a general contractor. And um, the Kings played at, um, I can't, I, it was the Jefferson Center. And Bruce I guess my mom or my grandma 
went up to you and was like, hey, Travis plays. Would you mind playing? And I, I don't know if they paid you or whatever. But I don't know. That'd be awesome if they did. And then you let me play, and I sat and played Walk This Way. Did Aerosmith? you just shake your head yes like they paid you? <laughs> I, I looked up, and he was like, yeah, they paid me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I it's neat to... to to, to have a different connection with everybody in the room. That's how you teach. Yes. That's a different way to teach. Just find somebody that has the, the want, the urge, the feeling. If you don't show it to them to see this is what this is what it is. And I've taken a lot of young kids. I've had some couldn't reach the pedals. I'd put them, you know, on my lap, let them play. Sna- I'd actually play a song, and I would take their hand and let them play hi-hat and snare with me. Mm. Oh, that's and, you, cool. and you play the foot? Yeah. yeah. And I would just, I would hold them, like, playing. I did that with $5 Shake, you know, a couple of times we were down at uh, a Tavern or whatever it was. And yeah. Did that. But uh, I want to say Ainsley Dunbar. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Terry, Terry Bazio. Terry Bazio. Uh, okay. All right. You did it. If I got to pick two, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. What would you play instead of drums and why? No, let's not hang on. You feel guilty if you leave somebody out, don't you? you feel, like, I feel guilty for leaving Terry Bozzi out. Oh, you, oh yeah. <laughs> Poor Terry. <laughs> uh, All right, sorry. Go ahead. What would you play instead of drums and why? Hold JT, on. yeah, let's, let's go this way. Here's my crickets. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows how to answer this one. Yeah. You know, I've got a. I, I I grew up listening to a lot of you know '60s rock and roll and stuff. But but uh, my dad was at Moose Lodge just a lot, which meant my brother and I were at Moose Lodge just a lot, which meant we heard a lot of classic '60s and '70s country. I know that stuff better than I know probably anything else. And uh, and I'd hear those Conway Twitty tunes and everything, and for some reason what I heard with that was upright bass. Oh. In an old, classic GCDG country band, just the simplest thing like that. And I'll still hear those tunes, and I'd be like, man, as simple as it is, I think I would absolutely love just sit there and just lay into that. <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> so oh, wow. Probably that. He didn't just say bass. He said upright bass, upright ladies bass. and gentlemen. Mm. Yeah. Super specific. Mm. Good good answer. Good answer. I think, uh, I don't know, probably uh, keyboard bass. Did you just pick two? No. Okay. No. No. You know, being, I went through the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, there were a lot of bands. That's when I guess Prince and the time and all that. But there were bands going around that really didn't carry a bass player. They had a guy like on I forget what they call it, but it's, it's keyboard bass because you got all the wobble wheels and all that stuff. Okay, you can you know you can. Bend, I believe that. <laughs> you can bend notes and stuff. So that I, I enjoy that. Did they play the guitar? No, I had I was, High and Mighty had one. Of those. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> My boy Ryan Hunt, who's doing our production, he he plays one. Get him out here with one. Um, we weeble. What'd you call him? Wobble wheels. Wobble, Wobble wheels. wheels. That's my next band. <laughs> Wobble wheels. <laughs> write it down. I will. <laughs> I write stuff down all the time. Mason, what would you play instead of drums and why? Uh, I mean, I guess you have to go with the bass guitar. I mean, that's what I play to and with. So it seems like the most percussive instrument that there is you know mm-hmm. that 
try to follow along what the drums are doing. It'd be nice to play what my ideas are in my head on a bass. Right. To what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. so, no, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah, I think... I'd love to play a guitar and write a song, but I think... It, Look, we got a we got a theme bass. going. We got bass all the way around. Yeah, same theme. Like like um, I always think of the bass as glue. It's just glue. It's that bridge or a bridge from from drums to everybody else in the band. And I think they most would agree. And obviously, there are other ways to do it. But yeah, you so be tight. Which you, I mean, the bass and drums got to go together. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's three. Three bass bass oriented. Oh, is it my turn? Uh, ukulele. Yeah, I'm tired of carrying drums around. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> you got you kidding me? It was actually the first instrument I wrote a song on because my dad was always like, uh, I want to play guitar, so my finger's too small, so I'm going to get a ukulele. And he never played that either. So oh, I actually wow. learned chords fairly quickly and wrote a song. I don't know how old I was, 9, 10, 11, something like that. And uh, recently I've been playing it a lot more. So, it, yeah, ukulele is so little. You can still put effects on it do a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. And not carry all that ish. So I'll play ukulele in y'all's band when you're playing yeah. bass. <laughs> Three basses and a ukulele player. <laughs> and then I will, I I, uh, I actually do play another instrument and I would choose guitar and vocals. I know that's two, but um, that's what I do. Second best. Maybe, maybe equally as best as the drums. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, so, yeah. Can I, can I tell a ukulele story? Yeah, please. please. Uh, I, for years in, in Waynesboro, this little trio that I play with, uh, the Boogie Kings, we played a, a live radio show. And so we were the, the house band in this radio show. And so we'd, we'd back up all these musicians, you know, once a month. It's really, really interesting. This guy gets out, he's playing ukulele and singing. He's very, very good and interesting and funny. And so my daughter, who's about six, is sitting right out front with Rachel, my wife. And he comes out and he starts playing. And Caroline leans into her right in her ear and goes, What? Is that horrible little guitar? <laughs> <laughs> Tangy. So in the Faber house, that's what we call you ukulele. A horrible little guitar. Horrible little guitar. If I were to, if I were to ever write music and put it on an album, I might call it the horrible little guitar. Getting all kinds of good ideas. That's why we do it. Just steal your ideas. Oh man, good answers. Good answers. Uh, we would have a, a great bassy band going together with no drummer. Um, what is the most important aspect of being a drummer? Here we're going to get into a little uh, little science of it all. So what is the most important aspect of being a drummer? That's a good one. Anybody I, can I heard some <laughs> deep breaths. So we got one mic for them, like a bluegrass band today, but I heard a... <laughs> Where do you start? Yeah. <laughs> Just start this. I figured this part of the conversation would take the longest. So I might be wrong, but I mentioned before that I like to try to be able to go to any type of gig. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's a, it's being able to change your, for me, it's being able to change how I look at playing. And, and so I might go into a top 40 band, everything's mic'd up, it's driving, there's a click track and, and, and thinking about, all right, don't mess so much with all this stuff. Just keep this drive going as best you can right with that click and just lay that down to where nobody else has to mess with anything. Mm. Maybe they don't even have a click. Or I might go to Mill Mountain and we're doing a show and it calls for color. And it and call, not at all. First, stay out of the way. Don't be too loud first. Some of these rooms we're playing in and whatnot. Being able to, to lessen everything. So I think it's 
think of, for me, it's, it's sort of being a chameleon in whatever situation comes up and be able to just lightly play with brushes with a little color. And almost sometimes I'll just, the bass player, you're the timekeeper now in this situation because yeah. the drums are too loud or it's too much too much aggressiveness for this particular singer especially and uh and just lay back and and sort of just add color so nice. maybe just opening your mind up that you you just have to change your thinking you know very quickly in different situations and be willing to do it and maybe take pride in being able to do that sure Ooh, no, well, good, good, good answer. I was waiting on the wisest statement, so that's probably going to. Have you seen our highlights that Ryan does? That's probably going to be on there. I'm calling Ryan. Don't let me down. No, it's it's wise stuff that people need to hear. I also, yeah, go ahead. The uh, for me, uh, being a drummer, uh, like you was talking earlier, um, you uh, you're the one that has to play with four, six, eight three other people you have to hear everybody and you have to be able to compliment five ever how many people you're on stage with you have to be able to play all their parts without <clears throat> overplaying mm. in other words you're kind of driving the bus mm -hmm. uh, the seats are all full so you basically just have to hear everything that everybody's playing mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the biggest thing that keeps me from going out a lot of times is uh you have four or five individuals that all play a song together. Mm -hmm. They don't, <clears throat> you know, you were talking about bass, uh, and I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, you're, if you have a good guitar player, it's easy to stay with the bass, but also play the licks that, that, uh, that the guitar player. Yeah. Learn when, if he's taking a solo, learn where you can punch his solo with him. Or mm. take a horn section. But the, you know, it's, crescendos up you know you're still with a bass player still with a guitar player mm -hmm. going ahead and push the horn section mm -hmm. you know and that to me that that's what i get out of it that's uh it's one of the reasons why you keep playing you know because <laughs> it's fun you got those are decisions you make when you play right and we could so it just it popped into my mind i agree wholeheartedly but you could sit with a producer in a different room in a different city and they'd be like do not push the horns they do not stab with the horns and some producers would be like Yes, staff with the horn. So, and, and that's that's the nature of, of music, the art that it is. Yeah, so, and we have to make that decision all the time. And if you make all the right decisions, you might get more gigs. And if well, you don't, you're like, hi, he's overplaying. Well, no, you, you might actually have people who disagree with you so badly. <laughs> oh, you no, you will, you will, you will, <laughs> you will. Our next yeah. podcast is the yeah. disagreeers. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, I guess you just. I just need to listen, to everybody. You know, you want to be in charge, so, uh -huh. and you have to be paying attention. I mean, just steal off of what everybody else said. You just have to be, you know, in control and listen to what everybody else is doing. So that way, you know, you either drive it or you sit back. And I mean, he really, he really stole it from me. On that. No, no, it's a, well, that's a good thing. And being six five yeah. actually helps you. Sitting down at the throne. No, no, yeah. When you, yeah, when you stand up, it's like, well, I better, you know, let's let's let him do this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to drive the bus. Yeah, yeah. It's weird driving the bus from the back of the stage. You know, yeah. yeah um, there's always that bit. I, for me, it changes per. Each group, my responsibility changes to, to what you speak to what you were saying. You want to be a chameleon, 
But oftentimes we're hired because people know they can put that faith in us. And it's not that it's not that we don't mess up. It's just that if we do mess up, you recover. I think recovery is one of the most important things because everybody's listening to you. Um, I personally err on the side of no fills or lots and lots of color. That's just how I like to do it. Um, And I think music works that way. We start looking at different styles of music. If you're going to play some um, any modern pop or hip hop, you're going to hear a tambourine, a shaker or a bongo somewhere. Put it in there. And then calm down rather than rather than over playing fills and stuff like that. Listen to the music and paint that picture live as best you can. Make that the challenge more than playing a whole bunch of notes. If you're one of those people and I have been in my life who just wants to play lots of notes. The older I get, the less I want to do that. So there are ways to channel that energy and still stay very, very solid. And ultimately, and we all kind of spoke to this, you're you're sort of a counselor. You're mitigating all the other instruments up there. And if you approach it that way, you'll you'll Embrace that responsibility and hopefully not overplay. I overplay at least once every night. I go ahead and get I go ahead and get it out of the way. And, and while we're here, um, I didn't learn this till this past year, where I started playing drum kit a lot more again. And uh, I like to think of myself as to what you're saying, like going with the horns or maybe not um, making those choices. I like to play lyrically, especially in a smaller band. So if there's a nice lyrical stab and you stab it, everybody in that club feels it. You're just helping your singer get loud. Now there's some singers that'll be like, why the hell did you just do that? I'm like, I don't know. We just lift the energy. Somebody's buying you a shot right now. That might be why. And I'm not saying that's the right decision. I'm saying these are the things we juggle every time we go and play. And uh, yeah, those are my thoughts. Uh, well, to, to add to that, I, I think um, to go along with the, the counselor idea, I am a counselor by day. Um, for those that don't know already. Is that why you uh, didn't play drums? <laughs> no, yeah, no, right. Uh, no, I think patience is uh, the biggest and, and most important aspect. Uh, patience with yourself, patience with the people you're working with, um, patience with the music. Um, it is easy to overdrive. It is easy to, to overplay. And uh, get. sometimes it's just easy to get excited about it. And then that excitement sometimes doesn't... Uh, match what you're supposed to be playing, and and, and I'm I'm learning that now playing with a, a a pop alternative group, where a lot of it is just two and four, uh, and I've I we've been recording everything on our on our board, and and then our um our keyboard player has been sending that that music back out for us to listen to, and I'm like, listen to my bass drum, I'm like, shut up, bass drum, stop playing that man, it's I'm playing too much notes, and it's too it's too much, and so like, it's nice to have patience with yourself and um i think flexibility as well you have to have flexibility uh with yourself and the people you work with and um i mean that's a whole long list of things to do but um that's just to to kind of paint the picture yeah the bass drum thing you just mentioned are you familiar with sugarfoot moffat yeah i met i met jonathan um Probably 10 yeah. years ago. You ever watch his foot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I want to, though. Who, what name? Sugarfoot? Jonathan Moffat. Yeah. Michael or, Jackson. Or, oh, oh, I know. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Eric Moore is another drummer that... Uh, he's hot right now. Yeah. He's been at it for he's, a while. He's been hot. But, he, yeah, he, he's crazy, you know, with that, that foot thing. You guys familiar with JoJo Mayer? I know, I know the name. You go, yeah, so you might want to check out JoJo, and he does a heel-toe technique. And also, Will has been doing that for quite a long time. I had Just a, lots of notes. I had a uh, uh, flatboard uh, bass pedal. Yeah. It's, it's all... You know, it's Slick. All, yeah. I got one. Do you? 
I sold mine to uh, Jamie L., uh, his brother. Janiah. Yeah, Janiah. Nice. Yeah, I got rid of that. But anyway, sorry. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> this is what we wanted to do. Yeah, this is, we're talking drugs. We're, we're actually making much better time than I thought we would. I mean, it's, it's turning into this fun conversation. Yeah. Uh, anything else you guys wanted to add to that? I mean, we do. I liked the word nucleus that Jeremy used earlier. Um, nuclear. Nucleus. We're the nuclear. Uh, it's another band name. We are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are the nucleus. And. Um, there's a lot of personalities that go in the different groups. I, I'm thinking of a story from JT and I. Uh, we played uh, In the Heights, and we had a different director. And um, he was great, but it wasn't the director that we were used to. And so it was hard for me um, to figure out where um, what he needed. He was just like, ah, just keep going. <laughs> and no. so you and I would sit back in the pit and be like, what are we doing? Like, what what else do I need to do? And you would suggest, hey, let's add some flair. Like, maybe not play this much here. And and it's so. My point is, is that we we do tend to play with different people that have different personalities, and those personalities um, affect us as players. I mean, have you've Bruce? You've been playing with multiple different groups, and you probably have your favorites. And I know Mason, you do too. That's why you have been with Warchild for so long, right? You pick your favorites because it's those people allow you to be the personality you you want to be as a drummer too you're talking about you and him set or being in the pit you know yeah. playing i did a show at the civic center <clears throat> and uh in roanoke and we were opening for debbie reynolds oh yeah yeah <clears throat> unsinkable molly brown and all that and uh but uh, she walked in uh the band i was in then was roanoke it was the vikings had revamped and went to Nashville and cut an album. And uh, so we were Roanoke at that time. We were doing a show with Debbie Reynolds. <clears throat> so I was, you know, she said, well, I'll just use you. She walks into the rehearsal, looks at that gigantic, you know, drum kit and says, I hate cymbals. <laughs> I, I, had like, <laughs> I had like 10 strung up, you know. And I said, no worries, you'll never hear one. Anyway, so we go to the uh, Civic Center to play the show. After the first rehearsal, the her director walked in with a book like this. He said, "Okay, you know, page fifty, uh, seventy second, starting a downbeat in two minutes." I looked at Ray Wilkes. I said, "Cause I can read drum music." And I looked at Ray. I said, "Ray, I can't do this." I said, "I can't read it." And uh, she said, "You know, they wanted the downbeat." So I said, "Ray, I'm going to follow you." And her band, uh, orchestra leader said. Uh, no, you're not. You're going to play that? I said, I'm not sure I can get through it, you know, that quick, you know, in five minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, she flew her drummer in from Vegas because I basically just said, I can't do it. No. I. <clears throat> yeah. There's there's so, lots of stories like that. I mean. <laughs> and, uh, Rip Taylor, to finish the story out, Rip Taylor, the comedian, used to come out and throw confetti mm -hmm. and all that crap. Uh, he was the opening comedian <clears throat> for the show. I remember walking around the back of the uh, Civic Center and went by his dressing room. And uh, I forget who's with I said, Rip said, yeah, nice to see you, nice to meet you. I said, you know, what are you going to do after you leave Roanoke? He looked at me and said, going back to show business. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he cut that one off quick. There so. you go. <laughs> um, hey, this next question, kinda, it's kind of like asking the same question, maybe. Almost. 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 We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, what is the most overlooked aspect of being a drummer? most overlooked aspect of being a drummer from 
the drummer standpoint or from the or anybody else's? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write. <laughs> it's not my question. It's yours. I'm just kidding. Um, I I, th I think from from everybody's standpoint okay. would make more sense, right? Okay, let's reverse this one. Go ahead. He wants JT needs time. He needs time. I I. Th I think the most overlooked aspect is if we're comfortable in the pocket and with our tempo that there's always somebody in the group that thinks that thinks that their tempo is right and yours is wrong. Um, so, um, and you turn on the click and find out everybody's wrong. Right. Correct. So <laughs> correct. I, I think the overlooked aspect is tempo is tempo and it is what you set it as with your group. And I think it's important to have an understanding that, it might be fast. Sorry if it's fast, but if that's what I'm playing, you need to play with me. Yeah. Mm. You heard it. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, you heard it here. <coughs> wow. Repeat, um, repeat the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the most overlooked aspect, I, I would say, again, by and large, is carrying the damn things around. And this goes for your band members, the audience people. And this also goes for musicians who go and set up the, the set the PA and they're going to play for you and they're local, quote unquote local, regional, whatever. It's still a lot of hard work and um, people don't really understand what goes into this. So pay you a hundred bucks to go. Play yeah, pay you a hundred. Yeah. Meanwhile, we have one of the most thriving little music communities I've ever seen. I've been around a lot of places and it's so um, bountiful, right? It's yeah. here. And we make it happen, and, and I'm not saying we should get paid more or we whatever. I'm just saying that's oh probably – I, <laughs> I do too. But I think that's highly overlooked. And, and it's very easy to say, well, you know what? It's only just five drums and a bag of cymbals. It's only just two subs. And it's easy to say that until you you got to load it. you got to go to the gig. you got to unload it. Mm. After the gig, you got to break it down. you got to load it. you got to go home. And if you don't have a gig the next day, you might need to unload it. This is four times in one night. And I think um, – if it sounds like I'm, you know, bitching and moaning, I am. Yeah. 44 years old, man. I, I still do it because I love it, and our, our community thrives off of it. I think that's the most overlooked uh, part of being a drummer or a local regional musician. I drove my drum case over here. Yeah? Mine, mine stay in the back. Yeah, yeah and uh, um, it took me years to validate um, to myself having extra drum kits, and now I have like three or four, and I'm like, nope, one lives here, one lives yeah. here. Why you got so many? Dude, but just... Mm -mm. You don't be. even deserve to ask the question. Yeah, let it be. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with the aspect, but one thing to me that comes into the most overlooked aspect of being a drummer mm -hmm. and, and being a good, well-known, or now I'm not speaking of me, I'm saying any drummer that you know, you've met, uh, the guy you're talking about with uh, Dave Matthews or whatever, his ego is so positive Mm. When, when he's around the band, the other band members, even if they don't realize it, you were talking about tempo. I've played with those Nazis many times. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I, have been, I, I have been surrounded, you know. Uh, but uh, Grounded. You know, like, <laughs> go to your room. <laughs> Seriously, I'll, I'll stay. Five minutes with those people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you're there, but your 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 uh, ego or your self commitment to your job is overlooked on how strong of a person you actually are. You know, now yeah. some people just think I'm a butthead on count of it, yeah. but that's great. I love it. I mean, it's you know, it's it's my like I said, it's our job. That's mm -hmm. what we do. Yeah. So, but I just I just think that's the most overlooked. 
part of I have a second answer, but I <clears throat> want everybody else to, to keep going, and I don't mind. You take mine. Okay. <laughs> well, I think uh, a lot of times other musicians that we, we sometimes play with um, don't think that we're musicians. Uh, just because we have a pair of sticks and we can um, – Play it, play a beat, and what I mean by that is is that they're it they simplify what we do, and what we do is is oh it's you you just you're just playing this you're not playing chords and having the no notes and all those things and uh, I I don't think that that's true um, whether you read music or not and I think there that that doesn't have to differentiate you well what kind of drummer you are um, I I can do both but it's taken a long time for me to do both you know and I and I know that's what helps me get get gigs is because i can do both but i also know that i can sit in and listen i mean that's what i do at first baptist when you're not there jt and like i mean it's you can listen to the music all day long but you have to listen and follow the group and follow the click like like you were saying earlier and so like i just think uh sometimes people think what we do is just easy and it's not i think playing with the click track is hard i i don't think i've ever done it it's uh, mm. i've had to play with a bass line, like in the studio, they lay down a bass line and guitar line before they ever add the drum track. And yeah. I have to go in and figure that Add one that out. out. Yeah. Do you find that easier than the actual click? <clears throat> I think a click is just annoying. Yeah. Me too. Oh. I mean, because if you, if you hold your breath three seconds longer than you did the last breath, that click's going to get out of time. You know, yeah. You'll be struggling to follow it. Mm -hmm. And I, don't, I think it takes your creativity away. Mm. So, Solid. But, yeah. JT, you want to add to that? Because you play with a click all the time. I, uh, I started 25 years ago. I played in a big church in, uh, in Richmond. And we did these Christmas and Easter things. But at Christmas, we'd do 20, 22 shows, two and a half hours each, all on click. So I walk into that situation kicking and screaming. Don't need it. Don't like it. Don't <coughs> want it. You're, but, you know, Does everybody on the click? Everybody uh, in the everybody who wanted to be. Uh, the rhythm section was definitely, but if you were a trumpet player and you wanted to be on a click, you could be, or you could turn it off. And the conductor was definitely on a click because, you know, everything wow. was situated off the singers, and and plus there were some pre-recorded vocals to thicken the choir out in these shows that we were doing. I mean, you know, angels flying all over the place. It was a it was a big, you know, a, a small version of a New York stage show. Mm. And then I got into you know probably the second week of doing it. I did this for ten years and loved it and now i love playing with the click and i'd play every gig for the rest of my life with the click if i could yeah. i just one i get tired of the nazis <laughs> the nazis are mm. gone yeah, yeah. Uh, now I, you're the nazi i just <laughs> i just relax with the click and uh i i, I think i'm a better drummer yeah. I play with the click. you know some of the bands uh, i set in with uh, and have played with recently uh they all played to a track in other words, it's a band that's playing, you know, they got all this stuff, but like the bass is a track, guitars a track, and these guys are all standing up there with guitars playing with a live track. Yeah. <clears throat> that's crazy. It, it's very, <laughs> I, it's, it was a very different notion for me, but when I started to substitute at First Baptist, and, yeah. and Brian, Brian Holt is the, the conductor now, and Brian was one of our guests here, and um, I mean, what a phenomenal dude with a great, great background from from berkeley right um yeah. and so the way they run that it 
it was very different and very um, scary for me coming in as a young drummer to sit in and play with the, the clack, uh, track yeah. and I and and a click. I said track and click together. Clack. I said clack. I don't play with a clack track. <laughs> clack track. And so it it's it is. But once you get used to it, there is there is something really magical if you can just settle with it. And um, yeah, so it, it's hard. It's not fun, but uh, it. <laughs> There is something neat about it too to, to kind of support UJT on that because I, I know not everybody enjoys it. I so. think it's my age. No, and that's. <laughs> hey, we're not that far. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like it at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm the young gun in this room. You are the young gun. That's right. Oh, man. Um, Did you ever play at Martin's Garage in Harrisonburg? I've been there. I grew up in Stanton. So. Yeah, I played at. Um, Gosh, uh, Stanton, it was a club. The guy lived in a trailer behind it. Uh, Junction. Yeah. Function at the Junction. I used to sneak in there. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Did everybody get a shot at that question? I'm good. Yeah. Y'all hit on everything. Yeah. I mean, mean, there's a lot to it. Um, What now? Oh, this is probably my favorite. You can give it to him. (laughs) (laughs) What does your personal style or expression pivot on at the instrument. No, I don't want to know about your brute. You're like your like daily life, <laughs> more about your personality. But when you play, you know, what's it what's a pivot on? What makes you you when you play drums? I would say uh, my when I go into a gig and this is opposite most drummers. Talk about driving the bus. Mm-hmm. I don't drive the bus a lot of times and I don't see myself as a bus driver a lot. Mm-hmm. And at least some a number of the things that I do and uh, you know, I played with Brass Five, this little brass quintet, and added a drummer. And we, I'll just add in drum set, or you know, I had a set of bells or whatever, and it was really to to back up this group. And and I, and I go into most situations as I'm gonna almost think of myself as a backup to begin with, and then if they need someone to take it, I'll do so uh, with a click track. You don't need a there's the there's the bus driver. Um, you know, uh, so, so it's, it's a real different mindset, I think, going in. But especially if I go in with a singer and like a, you know, a small jazz kind of thing. Uh, I don't really play a lot of jazz or anything, but it might be a, a pop singer with a piano player and a guitar. Well, I'm just, I walk in going, I will not be the loud drummer they've ever had a problem with. I'll be the drummer that, if anything happens, come on, man, we need a little bit more. And so I will play less and less and less until someone says more and just add a little bit of this around everything rather than up and down so maybe harmonically mm-hmm. adding stuff rather than strict groove mm-hmm. i like that Again, yeah it might be that's totally different than it's most different. drummers i, I yeah. think the difference there uh to me is uh club drummers or a lot are you know standalone nightclubs or concert or tour stuff like that i, I think the stuff that you're playing is probably more uh, polished, or you know, it's there. It's like you say it, like with your Christmas show thing. I mean, I'm just saying the stuff that you play. I'm not sure I could take. You know, I couldn't do it. They'd fire me when I yeah. walked in. Well, that's that's a good that's a good point because everybody's gig is very different in this room. Uh, so Mill Mountain and First Baptist. I mean, those are those are very different gigs for you and for me since I, sure. I've I've helped out with those than than the nightclub gigs, the bar gigs. Um, they they are very different gigs. So I I, I appreciate that perspective. Yeah, because it is important. I think when you're going into a setting like that, even if you're doing a brass stuff, you sometimes it is a little bit in the background. 
That's uh, yeah, the whole deal, like I say, the club stuff. Uh, what does everybody do? What's your, what is your stage fright routine, regardless of the gig or where you're playing? What do you do right before you walk on stage? Oh, that's a whole separate question. Bruce hosting the show right now? <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just, I was just thinking because they're, they're so diversified, the different styles. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, you know, it's like, for me, I always got to go to the bathroom. Of course, that. <laughs> I like to stretch. Stretch my wrists. Yeah. Stretch my hands out. Yeah. Stretch my toes just, a few times. Yeah. That's my new routine. Jeremy taught me. I'd, I'd ask. I'm like, um, I don't know any stretches or or warm up routines. You got anything for me? So why like, did Why did your voice change? I don't know. <laughs> said 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah, and you just forget. Yeah. Yeah. Just move it. Yeah, it's actually better to move it a little bit before you go stretching it. Just move, get some blood flow. Yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, because I'm not. I've never sat in a room with. This many drummers. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. fun though. <laughs> yeah, it's legal in most states. <laughs> <laughs> um, oddly enough, I don't have one of those. If there's any, something I'm ever afraid of, I go as quickly as I can into it. Yeah. I'm not. That's his, that has served me well and also ruined me in many ways in my life. So, I don't really because of that. I just don't. It's not that I don't get nervous. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. I just want to go ahead first. Well, um, yeah, I don't really warm up anymore. I don't stretch very much because I'm, I'm doing a lot of physical activity all the time. So it's not, I would tell anybody that asked me, what do I do before I go play? I would have a list of things, but I don't know. What size crowd is making nervous? What size crowd? Since I'm hosting now. Um, <laughs> get them, Bruce. Get them. Uh, I don't. 10,000, The largest I ever played for was probably 35 or 40. And there's so, there's a level where, and you guys need to answer this because I know I'm going to have this oddball answer. There's a level where it's so damn big, how can you care anymore? Yeah. Does that make sense? So there's 100 people and there's some dignitaries in the crowd. There's fellow musicians that you care about if we're still into that. Now I'm like, come on, let's hang out and talk about it rather than try to impress a musician, which is a mistake uh, a lot of musicians make. Um, there's a level where I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's 1,000, 2,000. There's a level where it's just, well, that it just, it's almost like nobody's in the crowd. The size of the room doesn't bother you enough. No. What I, what I would say about sizes of rooms and for any drummer listening, play to the room. And I'm not talking about the audience. I'm like, look at the walls and just listen to how loud you are. Because the last thing you want to do, you don't want anybody to leave because you had to squeeze out some sex tuplets and you couldn't squeeze them out without playing extra loud. You don't want anybody to leave for that reason. If your band's bad and they leave, cool. If you had, they had too many drinks and, and they need to go, that's cool. That's safety. Like, don't, don't bludgeon anybody because you need to get these notes out. Oh, no. It's, I don't, yeah, I, I'm not like, to me, if I'm in a civic center or a theater or something, it's, I get vertigo if I'm looking up at the ceiling. Oh like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, you know, any other room just moves with me. I get you know. Annoyed. Well, I, I, I can tell you what will what does make me nervous from time to time still is how a really good monitor mix. Yeah. The drums will sound so good. I'm I'm like I didn't even deserve to be playing anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Especially I don't. I'm I'm not a fan of in ears, even though I'm making the switch. Yeah. But when you, it's like. You're like, is that me? Yeah, you feel it comes you get a little, I'm like, I, they could hear all that? Yeah. <laughs> I talk when I play at home. I talk I trash. Uh-huh. Me too. I, <laughs> and I don't want people to hear me. So, yeah, I guess I guess it's being that exposed. Yeah. Do you ever use a, a seat kicker? Button? No, I haven't. No, I've got one at home. She keeps me lined up. 
<laughs> no, I'm just saying it's um. Is it nice? It's yes. pretty cool. Yeah. You have one, Mason? Uh, Matt Leonard's got one. He, he would be able to shine some light on this. No, yeah. it's uh, no, it's, it's, it's sweet. When, when you're when you're playing, talking about the mix. Mm-hmm. When you hit your kick drum, you're always thinking, does the sound man have any bottom on this drum at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. in the room that we're talking about, you know, you're not feeling your boom, you know. And so uh, I decided that, you know, that's what I did. I went and got a seat thumper. Mm. You know, it takes all that out. I mean, you go to some concerts now, if you get there during sound check, you can hear them rattling all over stage when you're mm. running a line. JT, do you have one? No, I, have you played on one before? I have not. I, I've, I've, I've. Uh, Sean Deal did a seminar years ago in Tennessee, when the, I was Northside's drumline instructor, and we went down there, and um, he he had one, and he had one in one of the. I don't, I don't know if it was his or if it was the studios, but it was, it was pretty, pretty wild. It was a very different sensation, literally. Uh, you can set the cut. I mean, on that. But yeah. To make that room feel big, which talking to what you're saying. That's you know that that brought me all the way around, and finally I just went to Alicia's DM Pro and went to triggering. Mm-hmm. Good for you. <laughs> nice. All right, back back to the question. What does your personal <laughs> style I'm expression? Sorry. No, don't be Bruce. Don't I, be. I think we're gonna have you on as guest host. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Personal style and expression pivot on. So that's to you. Okay. Um, personal style in me. Uh, I always played. I listened to other drummers, but style always just played my style, and you know, it got me fired three or four times. But uh, I just—I also got hired, you know, fifty mm-hmm. others. But I always just took whatever I heard. I'm not the guy that uh, plays every lick that's on the record, yeah, or tape or whatever they have nowadays, eight tracks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, I'm just saying I, I was never that person. Ever. I always just played. I mean, I played the tempo yeah. and played the, the signature stuff that had to go in, but everything else was just me. And that's, you know. Man, we're, I think we're kindred spirits. I think <laughs> Mason, say something. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's speaking through me, too. I mean, just, yeah. everything, he's got it figured out. I mean, well, I'm 100 hey, years old. Hey, <laughs> I think I feel the exact same way. You know, just everything he said is, is what it feels like to be a drummer, you know. Yeah, um, I so my personal style uh, expression. I don't, I don't know I, what you're both are saying. And nowadays, now that I've come back to the drum kit, it was quite a while I didn't play it. Um, is I don't apologize for how I want to phrase things. Like you said, signature. If there's something signature, I'll do it. And there's lots of times where I'm like, I wish the, the original music had done this a little differently, you know. And that's okay. And it's not downplaying the original stuff at all. It's not that I can't play it. It's that it's not that night in that room with those guys is very different than that CD. And how and, much you're drinking. And, <laughs> and, and, and so, how much you're drinking. But, but I'll say that. Um, that's a new development because I think more like um, JT, I, I, I really like to, I do like playing to a click only because it's very meditative for me. And it does, it, it, if there's an elephant in the room, the, the imaginary elephant, the argument of tempo, you just don't have that anymore. I like removing it. It's also very meditative, and I, I don't mind pushing ahead and pulling back and playing with it. I'm like, you think you're the boss, but really, you're just the barometer. So I, I don't mind that at all. I don't. I was many many years. I put a lot of time into studying styles. I wanted to be like a Weckle. I wanted to be a guy that could do every style so well that I would always have work. Right. The older I got, 
I decided I didn't want to be that. I wanted to be the guy that played like me because I didn't see too many people approach the instrument like me. Um, For better or for worse, let that be known. Um, But by not apologizing, the bands that I get fired from, uh, which is a couple, yeah, um, I really didn't want to play with them anyway. If I had, I would have done the thing. It had nothing to do with them or the music. It was the whole the whole chemistry. And the ones that do enjoy how I play, we end up feeding each other. And then that thing grows. Yeah. So that I approach it that way now. I used to approach it very, very, uh, I don't want to say academically, but I should. It was academic. I want to learn this. I want to play this. I want to play it like this guy. And I figured out that those folks that don't apologize and maybe stick to two or three styles, those are dudes that I'm, I'm, I'm buying tickets to see. They do their thing. So I, I fell into that um, after, after a lot of training. So that's that. I also, I'll add this, breath. I think that each, room, each, each crowd you play for is different. Yeah. Each night you play is different. And if the tempo needs to, I've actually kept my seat in bands because I would slow down and let the singer get a little more air behind him to do a trill. Oh, yeah. You know, you, like I, well, in case in point, um, I, I won't name names because I don't know how they feel about it. Um. Tennessee whiskey, which we all probably have played, if we if maybe maybe I've played it enough for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, some people don't even try to do that Chris Stapleton riff. Some people can do it, and it still doesn't sound like Stapleton. That's a spirit that that drives us into music. Uh, I got one dude who just holds a note. He just sings that one note. He doesn't do the the riff, yeah. and he doesn't need me to slow down. And I don't slow down. I have a guy that actually goes for his version of it, and he needs more air from his diaphragm. So I need to drop that tempo a little bit. I'm very aware of that kind of stuff, and I think I think that's why I get the exit. I get. Um, I don't mind expanding and contracting a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go a little bit on the outside for this this question. So for me, it it's my personality. Um, what <laughs> just being kind and showing up on time. I think that's real important. What, what were you gonna clap or, or laugh? I did. But at chink. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there you go. Um, so no, I want. Uh, he did want to laugh. That's it. a real laugh, though. <laughs> it is. So, uh, and what I mean by that is, I I think I play with kindness, and I and I work. I, I try to work well with the other uh, other people in the room. I ran an eight person band for eight years of my life, and I had four mentors and a best friend in that group, and uh, that was difficult for me. Uh, and and I wasn't the drummer at the time, but um. But I learned a lot about myself and leadership and um, the role that I wanted to have when I got back on drums and what I wanted to do. And that's when I started getting gigs. You pulled me in, JT, at First Baptist. Uh, I remember the phone call, uh, don't you ever play better than me, uh, was was the was the words JT called. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Because I looked up. Yeah, because I looked up to you. You know, I looked up to you and I heard you play several times, uh, and too. And then, you know, see these young guns playing uh, out, out in town like Mason, you know, and they're just cr- – you've played for – in this town for how long how now? much older are you than mason i'm not that much older i'm like a year or two yeah. <laughs> but i'm just i'm buttering him up <laughs> no but seriously you've been playing i mean you've been playing in this town a long time so i mean that's fantastic yeah i gotta say mason has been at it since i so i moved in 2003 i went to boston and i didn't really come back until a few years ago I'm you've been old. at it since <laughs> he has been at it, and so so have you. I, I learned you guys have just been at it. I'm just getting older. Every time somebody says that, I'm, yeah, I, well, I came. I would come. I was 18 in 2005. So. 
I would come back intermittently and see so many people that I either knew or had taught at one time playing. I'm like, this is great. Yeah, I didn't wow. even realize. I wouldn't have realized without leaving. But Mason has been at it consistently. Well, I mean, that's the reason why we're doing this podcast. Mason beats the hell yeah, out of his drums. Yeah, he does beat the hell. <laughs> so, um, I think we got everybody. Answered. Everybody get yeah, get one in on around. that. Speak now or forever. So, uh, totally switching gears. What? Are, so let's talk about gear. Uh, let's talk about gear. Let's talk about your tuning. Let's talk about your sticks. What do you guys use? What are you, what are you playing with nowadays? Um, what do you love? What do you hate? Um. A lot recently, some of the gigs at, at Mill Mountain Theater, we've done some old-timey sound of music, 42nd Street, and I bought a set of Ludwigs in 1977, and they're 1972 drums. Uh, Ten years after that, I bought a nice set of DWs and used those for years, and then maybe three or four years ago, I got the Ludwigs out, and refinished them, recovered them, put everything in, and I love those drums now. Mm. So. For, for the Mill Mountain stuff, I'm doing that. Uh, at Mill Mountain, we've got a really nice Pearl set, you know, a recording series set. And uh, and the DWs I'll use for, uh, I just did a, a steel drum band gig and played those. It's got a big, deep bass drum. Uh, I like my toms as far as tuning, um, and they're ringing a lot, uh, except for maybe one little gel on each tom. That's about it. Snare drum's wide open. Bass drum, uh, super kick too and maybe a little tiny bit down here. You know, John Bottom, I heard that, and I was like, just let it ring, man. Let, let the drums go, because to me, where they sound like they might be ringing a little bit too much right here, they're not, that's being lost out there, and I think you're, and when you, to me, when you deaden them down here, especially if there's no sound man, you know, mic and each drum, by the time they get out there, it's like hitting a cardboard box. So I just, I like them wide open a little bit, uh, but not tuned up high like a jazz set. Probably a medium level and let them ring. Cool. What symbols do you play? You play a variety. Zildjian. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you were saying you have a bunch of drum sets. Uh, well, anymore, I have uh, two basically, and one of them is a 10 piece, and the other one is a 5 piece. Um, the 5 piece is Orange County uh, percussion. Um, I use. Uh, Evans heads. Uh, my stuff, the kick drum, uh, when I hit my kick drum, the front head, I use a kick port. So if they're micing it, I have a kick port. But when I hit the drum, my front head basically is so loose it does this. And I mean, it's all bottom end. And I don't, uh, my kick drum has uh, that ring that comes on the head, dead or whatever. I use that. And that's it. Uh, my toms. I was taught this years ago, y'all might research it and help me out. Each drum shell basically has a note. Like a 12 inch is a concert C. You know, and your kick drum is a regular C, but you're octave down from C. But I just, that's, you know, a lot of guys go, they have their own pitch, you know, to the head. And when you're tuning, do you all, do you all take and tap, you know, each lug to make sure the tension like put your finger in the middle of the head and tap. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm saying that I didn't learn any of that till probably too late in life. But you know, I just tune mine like standard. 
I cheat. I've got one of those sweet tension tuners. So you put it on the drum head and, and it you can tune all of them to the same tension. So I bought I bought one. <laughs> Mason's laughing like nerd. <laughs> I know it. I'm proud of it. I am proud of it. I bought one of those in Richmond in the seventies that actually looked like it. It was two bright uh copper things and at the bottom of it had a scale. Yep. And when you do it like that, it would show you standard so, pitch yeah. or high. Yeah, I did that for years. I love it. I love mine. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't care. <laughs> You're my teacher. <laughs> he didn't teach you that. <laughs> no, he didn't. And I used, for years, I, I've used uh, Promark 808 Oak. I like 808. For years, mm -hmm. I did that. And I use... Uh, I use a uh, DW9000 double, and I then I've got a 5000 double, and then I have a Tama uh, Titan pedal out of the 70s, which looks like a elevator shaft with a. You know, <laughs> it's it's literally you know, it's, it's it weighs a ton, but uh, yeah, I've had that since then. Cool. I've got all kinds. Do you? Uh, all kinds of drums. <laughs> How many do you have now? Um, six or seven kids. Good for you. Good lord. But one of them is all the same color, so two different size configurations. They're they're uh, three ply maple Ludwigs. Mm. Pretty sweet. I got a black beauty snare, a couple acrylites. You've always been a Ludwig type guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a set of Tamas Star Classics. Mm. I traded everything I had for those back when I was you know nineteen twenty. And I just held on to them because they're my workhorse. Yeah. You know, but uh, I don't know. I've switched around a lot. I used to play big sticks, like three A's. Mm -hmm. And then I switched. Now I'm using like seven A's. Yeah, like and, five A's. I'm big know, for five A's. Something small with the bead tip. Your symbols love you better that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my hands, my wrists, too. <clears throat> But um, I, I normally use Remo, you know. Yeah. I try to use one ply heads as much as possible, just why? Just so they can sing a little more. Mm -hmm. You got to replace them a little more, but it's on. But it's less complicated. Especially on the snare, you know, if you got a one ply drum on that snare, it's really gonna pop. Yeah. Yeah. I run them wide open. Mm -hmm. uh, snare's a little tighter than everything else, but normally finger tight, and then one maybe one and a half drinks all the way around nice and loose just yeah just as as low as the drum can go you know what get it as low as you can go even them smaller drums i'm having so you much you taught me that a long time ago it's like you can make a, a small drum sound big but you can't make a big drum sound small can't so. uh, well i mean now with electronics i think you can do anything well, yeah. but back in the day it's also good to uh to be i i guess lenient in your tuning especially when i play little clubs i will tune down because i can hit them physically i'm comfortable playing them yeah. whether whether they sound good to me or not becomes irrelevant if i'm in a room with that can only hold 50 people and only 20 are there i would rather tune those drums lower so i can physically play the same yeah. and then it and then people aren't leaving because i'm too loud yeah. and even then sometimes people will leave because i'm too loud but it's not me drums are loud yeah they get really scared <laughs> <laughs> good then, good yeah, then you I, got the people that are there want to be there that's right no, here he comes in this little place yeah I, I think you have to be responsible with your tuning and so 
changing it to the room is okay. I also think so that I don't, I think it was DW that started stamping drums with tones. And I would say probably any piece of wood that's circular has a more dominant resonance, but they started stamping it. Um, and then there are people I would read about producers making sure if the song was in D, they come in and tune the kick drum to D. And while that's worthwhile, especially for a recording, I find that every drum will sing if at its own, it's about the length of the note for me. So if I were to take this drum right here and hit it, I would start tweaking it. Now, obviously I want the top and the bottom to sound to be very close. Sometimes I actually like the bottom to be a little lower. You know how some teachers like make make their make sure they're exactly the same. Well, that's a cool listening exercise. But I like the bah, I like a little a little dip. That's probably a little, drastic. A little less. On the bottom. A little yeah. less. Going and you know a lot of jazz stuff kind of goes the other way. But I try to get the drum to to resonate as much as it can. I don't care what the note is. I think the drum is going to sing. So I try to get bum as long as it'll go. And then part of the playing. T- the playing aspect would be if it needs to sing less and you could throw a gel or something, I'll just, sometimes I'll use my hand, you know, I'll actually play less and be like, because I wanted to make that sound. And then people are like, why is he touching it with his hand? I'm like, we talk about that on the break. (laughs) Um, He does that with his cymbals too. He plays these really big crash cymbals and I'm like, those are beautiful. And they just ring. It's a ride. That that one. So I got this 22 inch ride lately and it is my only crash on, on my kit. But, there are times where I'll hit it, like, and I'll just I'll stop playing this hand because I want to break. So I'm like, and just chill out like this for a second. I mean, I play a lot. You guys getting at risk getting old. Mine are starting to get old. Yeah, and I even try to take care of them. But um, yeah, play to the. I, I tune the drum to the drum if that makes sense. Yeah. I think each one will sing somewhere, and I try to find that. And that's if I have time. If I don't have time. Right. True. Hey, touch it. Touch it differently. If it's real ugly, if it's like you got one of those, you're gonna avoid it most of the time. Unless somebody goes, "Hey, let's play this reggae tune." And you're like, "Well, it's gang, 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 gang," and you play that one. You're like, hey, "I'll use it for what it's." That drum just mailed at you. Sorry. <laughs> I've, I've played some cat drums before. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I do because I don't tune my drums. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. Those are uh, those are that's a Mapex. I'm a big Mapex fan. I love that maple sound. Um, I got a little small Quest Love um, Ludwig in the back corner uh, that I play. It's yeah. Those uh, I think those are that's either the Mars or Jupiter. I am horrible with gear. I hated this question because I I hit so much flag. I don't know what gear I play. I just I know that it looks pretty and I play pretty. (laughs) I play pretty (laughs) most of the time. Yeah, I don't really. I'm not a gearhead, and I I am. That's my downfall. I feel like as a as a musician and drummer, I couldn't tell you my sound guy in here. He could probably tell you the barcode off of the off of <laughs> all of his infinite, all of the things that he runs. And like, I am just not that person. I I can't. I just um, I don't remember it. So my wife kills me now. I I come with a drum set. I say I'm gonna flip this thing, and then I set them up and start playing. I'm like, uh, I want to keep it. I think these are staying. I it's taken me a while um, to get comfortable back because I played I I sing and play guitar for last eight years and so now that I'm playing again uh, it's finding the the placements of your things and because uh, I I like to play with with toys I've got the tambourine I've got the the whip block and then uh, JT gave me this sweet triangle holder triangle beater and I I play the hell out of that I love that thing. <laughs> Um, it's one I, of my favorite, favorite. I love it. I love, I love the sprinkles, man. Yeah. And I, I, this might be an age thing too. I love the sprinkles. 
Especially if you have a tendency to overplay or you're in a loud. I love sprinkles. I love like shakers. Grab your shaker and don't play your ride at yeah. one of your next gigs and do this number and just watch people really love it. Mm. Right? They love it. And I'm like, okay, okay it's actually easier for me. Yeah. It's much and, and, you know, things like triangles and tambourines. I've been, lately I've been playing with th- uh, four tambourines, two of them stacked on top of each other, a yellow one and a red one. And I, you, ever, you guys ever do that? Like just set up a weird drum set. I'll do it at the gig. I'm like, I'm gonna set this up a little weird, and I haven't drank in three months. But I would be like, I'm gonna set this up a little weird. I'm gonna get a shot and a beer, and we're gonna see what happens. <laughs> I, as far as gear, I just I did just add uh, the Roland SD1 uh, electronic um, little uh, pad drum pad. Uh, I'm very excited. I haven't. I just plugged it in the other day. I haven't even listened to it, so hope it works. Um, but I'm real excited because I'm playing pop. I'm playing pop alternative now in a group, and so I just feel like little claps, little snaps, really add a lot. My keyboard player is mm. doing it, and it's. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to borrow my DM Pro <laughs> on DM Five. You ought to borrow that. I'll, I'll bring it to you. Oh, please do. I'll, I got the triggers and stuff. Yeah, those octopads, all of them, they're expensive nowadays, like nine hundred dollars. Yeah, they're crazy, but they add. They do add a lot. I know Jeremy's. Drummer in Rootlock uses them. Uh, he uses mine. He's oh sorry. He's he uses Rob. 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 Rob you use Rob. all my stuff. <laughs> Rob. Rob. Give me my. I've got these ten inch hi hats that were like sixty bucks at uh, Star City Drum, um, which we should mention because there's a drum yeah. round table. It's, it's actually I. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just because I'm not out buying gear a lot yeah. anymore. But um, there's a drum shop in town, Star City Drums. It's on uh, Main Street Salem. Main Street Salem and. They've actually got it, it's not huge, but there's some stuff in there. We should we should plug them. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, I've bought a, little, a few things off of him here recently. I, I go yeah, to buy my sticks. That used to be noteworthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. I didn't want to say that. I don't yeah, want to be wrong. It used to be noteworthy. Where was noteworthy in Salem? Uh, it's it's right there. Um, it's off of Melrose. Right so Lakeside. Yeah. Oh oh oh, I, oh yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's Melrose and. Main Street, me right there. Yep. So, what's his name? The guy that's in the store? Lee Brown. Lee Brown. So, uh, that's where I got this 22 inch Wuhan ride. I walked in. This is why I don't go in anymore. I'm older, right? I, I guess I have the money to buy stuff if I really want it. When you're young, you can go because you're dreaming. Yeah, yeah. So, if you're older and you hopefully you have some money, you go in there. And I was like, I hit this symbol and I went, ah, I, look, I don't know him that well. I'm like, why? You got to have this in here. And he was like, <laughs> he didn't. I was, I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just joking, because now I have to take it home. I didn't want to spend this two hundred twenty dollars today, but now I have to take it, and it's my main crash lately. <laughs> Is that on? Um, nice yeah, yeah, they got, they he's got a good, cool they're stuff. good dude. That, he's got a lot of DW sets in there, so um, I buy a pair of drumsticks every time I go. You know, just yep. support local business. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, yeah, and buy we're. I'm gonna go there when I leave here. I'm gonna buy a drum head and a couple pairs of sticks. Mm. I got to play tonight. So yeah. who's playing tonight? How many of us are playing tonight? Yeah. Just you and I. I'm drinking. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, JT, when we when we uh, when we air this, it'll be a little a little bit later. But um, uh, JT, you're gonna get ready to play Mill Mountain again. Uh, uh, doing a show called Ladies of the '80s. Yeah. In a couple of weeks, it's a two nighter. So they bring in three or four singers, uh, usually from New York City, wherever. These are, uh, and this uh, obviously women who travel around doing shows all over and they'll bring them in and then they have uh, the pit orchestra or pit group that seth davis mike havens myself yep. may, we might have a keyboard player but i think we're doing this as a uh, just the three of us and so we're doing about 
30 songs, 32, 34 songs, all from Blondie and uh, Madonna, uh, Tina Turner. That's, That's fantastic. That's cool. Fun I didn't mention that, but I an e-set now I bought. Electric set? Yeah. And so I'm going to use that. Did you buy, did you the, buy the, uh, the was, was it a Roland? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have one at the church, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to use it for that. Just to, That'll be the first time I'm using it in a, in a gig. That's cool. You'll, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. And Sound then, guy will really love you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, fellas, thank you guys so much for being on the show. We've got one more question, and we call this the, the buddy gauntlet. Um, the buddy gauntlet part of the show is where we – I don't send you this question. I, I typically try to send our guests uh, questions just so they can have an idea of what they're going to get it themselves into. Um, but this has been a really, really great roundtable, uh, and we hope that you guys come back and uh, whether individuals or to the next roundtable. So yeah, we already got to have another one. Yeah. Because, uh, so uh, and uh, blessings to uh, to Matt and to Sam and to uh, to Rick who couldn't make it today. Uh, it would have been a little tight with six of us. Or now we know, yeah, now and we know. they can just come do the, the second drummers yeah. roundtable. But we also, if you're interested in uh, in in being on the show, if you're doing music here in Rona or Southwest Virginia, like uh, hit us up on Facebook. Like yep. let us know. Um, we are booked for the rest of the year, but we're having a really good time sharing the experience of what it is to be in Southwest Virginia and be a musician. And there's, there's a lot going on here. So let us know if you want to be a part of it. Please do. So hit him with that buddy gauntlet or do you need me to, to well, can, can we confer what it was? Cause we had, yes, I'm going to confer. So I, I came up with this question yesterday. Favorite memory oh. behind the drum set. That's right. One memory, favorite memory behind the drum set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh! <laughs> Favorite memory behind the drum set. Does anybody want to go? Uh, I don't know if this is favorite, but it is certainly the most interesting thing that ever happened. I'll take me. most interesting. Uh, For two, and it's the first thing I thought of. So maybe it is my favorite. Um, I'm playing on a cruise ship, and so we had, uh, you know, each week a different act come in. So ventriloquist comes in, and he's got this little, you know, and and he's and and so at, to close the show. He sings with the dummy, let's call the whole thing off, just an old 40s thing. And we're playing and everything for it. And to close it, the very last thing, he sings harmony with the dummy. What? How do you do that? Well, how you do it is you give the drummer a mic, and I just very slowly <coughs> lean down and sing harmony. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. And everybody's going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And so we did it uh, for rehearsal, and I'm not a singer, and I'm a kidding. I'm, literally, my wife wouldn't let me sing Christmas carols in front of our kids because they might think that's what should happen. And so... I, I couldn't sing anything, you know, but but I leaned down during rehearsal and did it and killed it. And he he turned around and he goes, "My gosh, it was it was great." And then uh, and we do the show and I lean back down and do it and I'm maybe two steps off from where I should be. Three steps. I don't I don't even know. <laughs> did the gig afterwards? He goes, "Yeah, we're gonna let the guitar player play that." And close the mic <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, I was in West Virginia. Hey, this is G-rated. Keep it G. I was getting ready to say the same thing. So when I said I was in West Virginia, that, that threw it off. Yeah. Y'all knew it was coming. We no. did. No, I, I was up there playing a club called Galaxy 2000. And uh, it, my extra snare was still in the equipment truck. 
and I was on stage playing. This was with Dazzle Boys, which we did a lot of tubes, talking heads, uh, all that stuff. Nice. So we're sitting there hammering it out. You know, for my drum monitor, I had two single 12-inch scoops with, I mean, it was just loud. They're talking about loud. Anyway, my bottom of my snare stand, one of the pods off, you know, came off, came loose. It just, the it busted. So my snare drum starts to fall off. And I'm playing no hi-hat at that time. I'm holding my drum, you know, right in the middle of the song. <clears throat> the uh, uh, monitor tech uh, runs up on stage, and while I'm still beating the death out of this drum, he lays down on his back during the song <laughs> under the drum, and he's sitting there, and he found, he put something through it so it would, I still have the cup, you know, for the snare to sit down. And that, to me, that was hilarious. And other than that, the uh, same same night they had a girl in a bikini sitting at a dunk, the stupid, whatever. And uh, the uh, Brian Whelan, the guitar player at the time, uh, walked over there. We were doing something. She was sitting up there, and he just took his foot and hit the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, I've got I've got great I've got a book full of memories. Actually, I do. Write them down. I'm, I'm blessed. Yeah, okay. I'm over here dreading when the my, when it's my turn. I'm trying to pick one. So take your time. I'm trying to think about anything that crazy. I mean, other than just, I mean, when you when you put your foot through it, and then what mm. do you do after that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you do? There's no more better, no more Mason answer. <laughs> Every time he puts his foot through it, which I I get I, that. I've only done it a few times, but. It's, it's like, oh, it's like you just crapped your pants. <laughs> what do you do now? Oh, no. There's nothing you can do. That's actually the technical term for that. <laughs> is that what it is? I just crapped my pants. Yeah, it's it's it. Oh, you're the bass drum. And you yeah. get that thing and it goes and it hits all the way on the, on the shell. You're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Can you guys, you, have you, how many times have you had to sub the floor tom for them? So, can you turn into this guy? Because it's, just, you're like, it's, it's unavailable. It's unavailable. <laughs> and people look at you. As if you're intentionally not playing it right. You know, the other members are like, uh, yeah. I'm like, I got problems here. Yeah, yeah, which makes the whole thing worse. So I, you just got to go to the, you got to have the backup floor tom groove. Yeah. I also believe in an auxiliary snare. Not because I like bleep bringing it around because something's going to happen. And you just go over here and hit that one. What's the question again? <laughs> Favorite memory behind the drum set? Uh, I don't know. I mean, my, no offense to all the bands I play with, but I played in this band called The Hats, and that was, I felt like I, my feet never touched the ground when I played with those guys. It was just one of those things. It was every time, even we had bad nights. Um, I'm going to say my favorite memory, though, and, and I, I was playing in my garage. I just got hired to do Stomp, and I had to move to Boston with no money, and my whole family came around and said, hey, Jeremy, finally made it, right? And I was just going to audition. Um, it was like a six week audition. There's a pre audition and there's a, you might not make, we got to get to know you for six weeks. So kind of felt like a reality show. Um, but at that point in time, my family just showed up one day to give me some money. Cause I was moving to Boston. It's expensive and to celebrate. Right. And they all asked me to go downstairs and play drums in the garage. And I had, it was Justin's drum kit, which I still don't like. It's in my studio. I'm using it. Thank you, brother. Um, but I went down there and then all of a sudden my entire family wanted to hear me play drums and everybody loved that I played drums. Um, everybody encouraged me, but there was always this, this uh, underlying theme of like, you know, you know, you're probably not going to get anywhere playing drums. I'm not saying they said this, 
They're saying have a backup plan. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to get away playing drums. I'm going to get there playing trash cans. So, yeah, I'm going to get there playing trash cans. So, but at that point in time, my entire family gathered in the in the garage, and I just played some dumb beats, and I was crying because I didn't really want to leave. I figured out I don't want to move away from home. Like, oh, I'm not crying. And all my family like, go get it, little Jeremy. Go play them drums. And I played for like four minutes and just some dumb, some simple beats. And I was like, I can't do this. Thank you guys for coming. And so I was pr- if I have to pick now, that's what I'm picking. And it happened about a mile from here. That's fantastic. <laughs> no, that's great. I, I was going to, sh- I've already shared the story about my first experience playing in front of a live audience with, when uh, Bruce actually let me. But my favorite memory um, would be I my first gig, one of my first gigs when I was in this, uh, we were this Christian group called Hog, and we called ourselves Hooked on God. Uh, it was it was an acronym, and we were I was I was in, I was it's a, it was. Where's that cricket sound? Yeah, it's uh, I know right here. Um, so we we played we played in we played in a retirement home. Like we didn't have gigs because you just didn't do that. We played in a retirement home, and I remember I remember. <laughs> it was they were asleep. they were they were asleep there this this one guy was had you know those really nice tall chairs that uh, you could just fall i mean there was just this big red chair and this guy was like right in front of me and i was playing my drum set that blue one right there and he he slept the entire time and i thought well this is it here we go i'm gonna uh, this is my life from here on out if they're playing playing drums in the retirement you, home. You played in a Christian band called Hog at a retirement home and couldn't wake an old man up out of his chair. That's correct. So, amen. That is that. beautiful. It is beautiful. So, don't take my memory. It's, it's my memory. No, no. I just didn't know what I was going to hear. I um, mean, it is. Uh, I didn't want to be cliche and share my memory about playing uh, Walk This Way Again. My, uh, my, first, my first paying gig was at a, the halftime show at a donkey basketball game. People nice. run around donkeys throwing balls and <laughs> into a hoop. I know. I maybe should have said that. Maybe my first my first paid gig was at Skate Town USA in Stanton mm. for a fundraiser, and they brought the bands in, and, and we're up here, and I'm playing for some young kid. First time, it's for, I only have a drum set for maybe two months, mm-hmm. and we rehearsed a couple of times, and then got up, and then we realized two things: one, we're going to play with the record, with him singing along and us playing. We didn't know that. And two, the name of the band, we found out what it was. Daryl Jones, the kid's name, we were Daryl Jones and the Daryl Tones. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Daryl Jones and the Daryl Tones. Oh, man. We had, uh, I was in a band called Cripple in the No Minds. <laughs> Literally, that's a, that's a true story. Uh, Cripple in the No Minds. Man, I've had a whole lot of fun getting to know you guys. I mean, I know of you, Bruce, um, but I haven't really hung out with you. I know this guy, JT. It's great to meet you. Um, thank you guys for coming and sharing. It's been fun. Yeah, excellent. Guys, thank you for being on Beats, Bruising Buddies, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next time. Thanks for having me.